Welcome to Mediterranean Sustainability Partners. I'm your host, Ellen Wasalina. As we close out this year, 2023, I would like to share with you my latest speech given at the Istanbul Stratcom Summit on November 24, 2023. And we were privileged to open this first panel of the summit on the subject of hybrid threats, security, stability, and solidarity. One of the most serious threats that we are facing is undermining governance and state functions, and thereby undermining our political model of governance, and with it, our credibility, our values, and what we stand for. I hope you enjoy this last podcast of the year, and thank you for tuning in from 69 countries and five continents in English and French. Happy holidays! Hybrid threats, security, stability, solidarity. The Stratcom Summit 2023 aims to provide a comprehensive strategic communication approach to facilitate collaboration, coordination, and global intervention in countering hybrid threats. In a time of growing truth crisis, the summit offered an innovative and adaptable forum for discussion of policy development, coordination, and governance to address the risks and opportunities facing states, organizations, and citizens. Strategic communication is a prerequisite for combating hybrid threats, as it comprises crisis communication, public relations, public diplomacy, civil preparedness, awareness, strengthening coordination, and the fight against disinformation. The biggest challenge for governments and politicians is to inform their citizens and maintain the trust of their citizens. The biggest challenge for news organization is to be able to present true and verified facts from reliable, trustworthy sources. The biggest challenge for young people today is to be able to distinguish between true and untrue news. But we have entered into a continual crisis mode where two war fronts have opened where we are watching wars live on every media available to us, where news organizations are showing us the horrors, the very personal human drama that is beamed instantaneously across the globe in a split second that previously only came to us by letters written a week or more earlier. How can we fight hybrid or asymmetric threats, just like those of the same nature in military strategy? Let's look at some of these hybrid threats and how we can counter them by deploying a communication strategy on three main levels. In preparing for this panel, I went back and looked at two books that I published about Ukraine, which no one was interested in France at the time, and is entitled Ukraine, Premise de Guerre Froide en Europe. It was published in December 2014. The second book was sent to my editor on the Monday preceding the terrorist attacks on November 13, 2015 a Friday in Paris, France's 9-11, entitled La Défense Européenne Face aux Menaces, L'Europe est-elle prête pour son 11 septembre? 
Referring to the NATO publication entitled Strategic Communications Hybrid Threat Toolkit, and based on a prospective study I did for a confidential client in 2020, I will focus on three of these threats, which can impact a government at all of its levels of power, diplomatic, information, military, and economic, or DIME. NATO's crisis response planning tool refers to military, political, economic, civilian, and informational. Other studies have expanded this even further to 13 domains. In the context of hybrid threats, NATO uses the expanded U.S. model, including financial, intelligence, and legal, to create dime FILA. In 2016, the European Commission published their framework on countering hybrid threats, describing, and I quote, the mixture of coercive and subversive activity, conventional and unconventional methods, i.e. diplomatic, military, economic, and technological, which can be used in a coordinated manner by state or non-state actors to achieve specific objectives while remaining below the threshold of formally declared warfare. Security. One of the most serious threats that we are facing is undermining governance and state functions, and thereby undermining our political model of governance, and with it, our credibility, our values, and what we stand for. The most visible and known to public, as reported in the newspapers in France and elsewhere, is a foreign power supporting financially a political party. Corruption, present in every country, black market jobs, human trafficking, criminal networks, illegal migration, tax evasion, etc., which can, in its various nefarious forms, amputate up to 25% of a nation's GDP. Terrorism, to which I dedicate the second chapter in my book on European defense, as our 9-11 in Paris. It shocked all of us to our core. What we are seeing now with the war in Israel and Gaza spills over into my third point, which is ethnically motivated acts, escalation, and sociopolitical protests. Stability. The second threat is decreasing public trust in government and politicians. My role as an assessor titulaire in my city in France has given me a unique window into the trust citizens have in their local and national government and the politicians who represent them, as well as their willingness to come out and cast their vote. The presidential election in 2022 ended in 28.04 abstentions and 8.6% blank votes. And the trend is toward rejection and abstention, particularly among young people. As we saw during the COVID pandemic, our trust in the government and in politicians surrounding the excessive restrictions of movement and the imposed vaccines, the laissez-passer to go to the grocery store, the shuttering of cultural institutions or even cultural aisles in the supermarkets eroded our trust in our politicians 
and the police who were policing us, allowing us to only go out a few hours a day and to stay in a radius of two kilometers from our home. Solidarity. The third threat that is very vivid after the Hamas attack on Israel on October 7, which has resulted in agitating and polarizing religious, cultural, or ethnic differences, particularly vivid in France, with more than 1,500 anti-Semitic attacks since the war started on October 7. Le Monde compares this year with previous years, with 436 acts of this nature taking place in all of 2022. 974 in 2004, which holds the record of acts committed in the 21st centuries. Tags, posters, and banners make up 50% of acts counted. Threats and insults make up 22%. The apology of terrorism, 10%. Attack on property, 8%. Physical attacks, 2%. These acts have resulted in 571 arrests at this recording. We can also speak of Islamophobia acts, or the double standard of deux poids deux mesures, of reporting anti-Muslim acts. The Interior Minister, Gérard Darmanin, has managed an opacity on his remarks, even though, according to the media outlet Mediapart, he is said to have met with several Muslim groups, but came away with a figure of perhaps 500 anti-Muslim acts, that have been mixed with anti-religious acts. And here are a few examples. In October, the Observatory of Islamophobia in the CFCM, or the French Council on Muslim Religion or Cult, received 42 letters of insults. He also counted 14 mosques tagged and 17 letters of threats to the mosques. Several mosques have been targeted in the anti-Semitic couscous manner. On October 8, one a mosque was tagged, Mort à l'Islam, with a Star of David next to it. On October 20, the Saint-André de Cubzac mosque was tagged with a croix gamme, crevez, vous êtes des cibles, again with a Star of David next to it. November 1st, a city in the Yvelines received two letters praising Hitler, and also saying that they should have killed the Arabs instead of the Jews. It is because that our politics, not only in France, are heading to the right, like in the Netherlands, where anti-Islam populist Gert Wilders just won the election. Wars have come into our living rooms, on our TV sets, on all our devices and channels, where human tragedies are on display every minute of the day. Gone are the days when we had to wait to read the newspaper the next day, or wait for the nightly news broadcast after 24-hour television invaded our lives. And social media is constantly blaring, blurting out photos of human horrors, facts and figures. Anyone and everyone can join the conversation. The worst are the so-called experts, always the same ones that grace the TV plateau in France and probably elsewhere. Where do people get their news from? Surprisingly, less and less people get it from television, but from social media. And this has forced the major news outlets to also be present on social media, creating new content Lots of visuals, videos, from 30 seconds to a few minutes, no more, as people's attention span has been reduced to nine seconds.
If we look at the two wars, now ongoing, simultaneously, in close geographic proximity, here are just a few examples of their strategic communications. Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24, 2022. Very classical at first, strategically speaking. Russia started to amass troops on Ukraine's eastern borders until their numbers reached 100,000. No one, not even the greatest specialists of Russia, thought or believed that Vladimir Putin would really invade Ukraine, but he proved everyone wrong. Then started the information war on both sides. Even foreign countries got involved, giving figures of the dead or vehicles, targets destroyed. This has been conducted as a daily or weekly report by the UK Defense. And here in, there is an example of one of the posts dated November 20. Both sides reported back to their people. President Zelensky made his nightly speeches. President Putin reported back occasionally in a medal ceremony or make statements at conferences. But he never admitted in the beginning that Russia had invaded Ukraine, but that these 100,000 men on the border were there for a special operation. The word war was never used and was even punishable by prison term if used. The biggest virtual battle is being fought online, where it is hard to discern, at least for the layman, what is real and what is not. There is a clear effort at deception, just like in war, creating a thick fog for the general public to understand, decipher these coded messages. Remedy 1. The biggest challenge for governments and politicians is to inform the citizens and maintain the trust of their citizens. It is the responsibility, both legal and moral, of government, the ministers, the parliament, the politicians, that they inform their population, their citizens. Their job is to legislate, regulate laws, put in place the infrastructure and the budget necessary to inform their citizens and protect them from fraudulent information sources that have the primary objective to deceive people in general or even counter or create an alternative narrative to the truth. Creating and or supporting reliable news outlets, be they television, radio, or newspapers, which can transmit official information from the president or his ministers about their work, their stance, is of primary importance and should be as transparent as possible. Here below from the NATO report, information was the most common measure identified. There are, of course, military strategy intelligence information which is classified and should not be revealed to the public. The best delivery for this kind of information is daily press briefings so that citizens do not get lost in the maze and the haze of social media swirlings, distortions, etc. The biggest challenge for news organizations is to be able to present true and verified facts from reliable, trustworthy sources. As for the news organizations, they should deliver verified information to news broadcasts on the traditional channels, as well as being present on social media to counter and combat false facts, disinformation, and misinformation which are being disseminated. 
Many news channels now have a fact-checking feature in the form of a QR code during political debates, for example, in France. Unfortunately, I have not seen this feature on the nightly news or any news broadcast that I watch on different channels from different countries. The channels should be multi-channel, meaning that they should be on all platforms in different forms adapted to the platforms, audio, video, print, adapted to the outlet broadcasting. As our attention span has been reduced to nine seconds online, the news presented must be visual and the point made quickly to counter any deception. The facts, and only the facts. This is, of course, requires a budget to maintain journalists in the war zone to report, be embedded with military forces, or to interview the enemy, despite the danger and the risk of getting killed in action. According to Reporters Sans Frontières, this year, 2023, has been very dangerous for journalists. 39 journalists killed so far and two media workers killed. The war in Gaza has been particularly fatal for journalists. As of November 21, 50 journalists and media workers were confirmed dead. 45 Palestinian, 4 Israeli and 1 Lebanese. 11 journalists were reported injured. 3 journalists were reported missing. 18 journalists were reported arrested. Remedy 3. The biggest challenge for young people today is to be able to distinguish between true and untrue news. Measures to enhance public media literacy. Initiatives on countering disinformation and fake news. Bursting filter bubbles and source criticism.